0: Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Aaron Lowe. And if this is your first episode and you're wondering what this whole thing is all about, well, I'll tell you. Every week, I find my head surgically attached to the body of a different friend and cinephile. Together, we are given a note containing a theme, sometimes specific and sometimes vague. Our job is then to pick a pair of movies that fit that theme and then watch and discuss. This is the Incredible Two Headed Podcast. everyone here we are and my guest this week i'm very excited about is my old friend josh medzger josh how's it going
1: hey aaron what's up
0: oh you know not not too much actually we, you know not to date this too much but we are recording this on election day 2020 so kind of, <sighs> shut kind of, your mouth yeah i know i i it, it was going to come up eventually in our discussion <laughs> today yeah i there is an odd energy in the air. Uh, I feel like everybody is just stuck yeah. to their phones today. Everybody knows they shouldn't yeah. be, but everybody is just looking to see what's being said on Twitter and uh, what other social media they're on. How yep. are things? How are things uh, out there for you? Like I...
1: oh, dude, they're great. Thank you. Um, aside from the, you know, eminent destruction of democracy, possibly, uh, I'm I'm good. <laughs> I'm feeling good. Um, I just had a relatively easy day at work. No no complaints, man.
0: I talk about this all the time, but I got that intro there where I talk about how I've been surgically attached to you, and then <laughs> mm-hmm. I, we come out of the theme song, and I just immediately throw it away. I, I never stick to it. I'm, oh. I, my first episode's always like, oh, how, how much should I stick to this premise? How much should I act like I'm actually attached to this person? But everybody can <laughs> tell, especially right now, we're doing this on Zoom. Exactly. Uh, we're, we're not even in the same state.
1: No, although we were. For a long time.
0: For a very long time, yeah. Known each right. other a long time. That's right. Josh and I are both from Anchorage, Alaska, right? You were born in Anchorage?
1: Born and raised.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I delivered
1: newspapers to your mom when I was in like sixth grade. I and think it was.
0: When I was in junior high, I delivered papers to your, your parents. <laughs> that's
1: right. Jeez.
0: Yeah, I remember the 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 very first day I was shown that my route, uh, I you know this story. I don't know why I'm bringing it up. Uh the first day I was showing on my route, the guy that was taking me around showing me which houses I need to deliver to ran into your dad's car, I think, and and told me, like, oh no, that dent oh was there god. before. He's like, That dent was oh there before. Oh my god.
1: I don't know if you ever told me that story. That's hilarious. Oh. I, I'm gonna tell him that one next time I talk to him.
0: Well, I actually told your dad, like the, the next day I had to deliver on my own. I actually oh went god. up and knocked on the door and said, Hey, was that dent always there? <gasps> And your dad was like, "No, that's new." And I'm like, oh, "Oh no!" This guy was showing me the route yesterday, and he hit your car.
1: Good for you, a little creep.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was kind of weird. Um, that's fantastic. I, I, just, I just think about that, like a, a thir- like a, a, a grown adult just driving a 13 year old child <laughs> around that he's never met. Yeah. I wonder if they still do it that way. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, we've we've got a bit of limited time here, so I guess maybe we should just get right straight into the the discussions. Sure. Um, So we've got our note here and today's theme is garden state. So when we come back, we'll be discussing a couple of movies about the garden state. we're back. First up today, we're going to be discussing Patterson. The title of this 2016 film from writer-director Jim Jarmusch can either refer to Patterson, the main character played by Adam Driver, the New Jersey city in which it takes place, or the epic poem by William Carlos Williams, who Adam Driver's character idolizes. As if that weren't enough wordplay, Adam Driver also plays a bus driver who shows a real knack for poetry, though he outwardly treats it as little more than a hobby. The film is largely plotless as we follow Patterson through one full week of his life, getting a window into the life of this extraordinarily ordinary character and the various characters he surrounds himself with. Now, I called Patterson ordinary up there and that may not sound like a very flattering thing to call someone, but I think in this film and the worldview it possesses that that's actually pretty high praise. Now I'd, I'd seen this movie once before uh, you picked this. And I think this is your first. Time. Yeah. What did, what did you think? It's a big question there, Aaron. Yeah, I know. We'll we'll start big um, and we'll dig in.
1: I thought many things about it. I, <laughs> I think I mentioned this to you the other day. I, I liked it, but, there were a lot of I, I don't know how to explain it i liked it but there are a lot of things that i found issue with but at the same time those those issues are kind of tra- drawing me back into the movie if, if you know what i mean
0: yeah i i really i think i do because i try not to pre-discuss these movies too much yeah but um but we did have I, a I was just of-
1: like oh my god and i just emailed you and i was like fuck
0: uh, yeah (laughs) we we had a little bit of a back and forth and i I have a i have an idea what some of your issues are and watching it the second time i i think i i shared some of those issues
1: so i have i have voluminous notes here i'm just gonna pull it up on word (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe this will be good for uh for a laugh i could read it all the way through just breathlessly
0: no, yeah, I've got, so, yeah. I've got a, I've got a lot of notes too. Um, I'd seen this before, so I kept my laptop open in front of me and just kept typing stuff down whenever. Oh, wow, okay. Whenever I would notice something, but um, so the first time I saw this, I saw this not too soon after it came out. I, it, once it arrived on streaming. Okay. And I'm I'm kind of a moderate Jim Jarmusch fan, like. Yeah, same. I, I there are movies of his that I love. The movies of his that I like, I love, but I have not seen a lot of his earlier films. Well, not a lot. I've, I haven't seen a handful of his earlier films. He's done a few movies that I just, I, I find very hard to get into. I should probably revisit a couple of those, but when I like him, I really like him, but he, he isn't, he isn't somebody I always am super excited about.
1: Well, yeah. and, and It's it's funny that you, that you mentioned that. Like, I, I feel like I'm kind of a dilettante uh, as well when it comes to him. Like I saw um, Down By Law, obviously, uh, that, that, that was pretty awesome. Um,
0: oh, I, that's one of the ones I haven't seen is... Uh, uh, down by law
1: yeah dude this was like 92 or, or whatever when i saw it was a long time ago and i maybe i've seen it one more time but uh, i remember i liked it and uh ghost dog was was pretty fantastic yeah i i i know that his thing is to do like slice of life stories where where nothing much happens so i already knew that going into the movie and i i was i was pretty happy that it was him doing this movie because it's um, well. Here I wrote, I love the specificity of language. Doctor Williams would approve. I love that it follows his mind as he's composing, so we get to feel uh, as he feels it, and uh, that's just the first note.
0: Yeah, no, I, his thing is um, is very much about stillness in a way. Like there's there's a lot that can be said to be going on beneath the surface of some of his characters, but the movie itself kind of or the movies often I'm trying to think of the right word for it, but they, they often kind of go at a very like languorous pace. Uh, yeah. They're not, they're not too much of a hurry to get to any point. I called this movie plotless, which can be, can be said of most of his films that I've seen. There's a, yeah, no, well, there's a destination the characters reach at the end, but that's, that's not often the point,
1: you know, and it's really funny because I, I, I hope I explained myself well. So in the late nineties, when I started writing stories for real, um, I, I, I feel like I had the same blind spots as other novice, you know, fiction writers and stuff, uh, meaning that all of my stories just kind of rambled and they didn't have a plot. And I feel like this is uh, th- this is something that a lot of young people do and a lot of, for lack of a better word, like alternative filmmakers or artists or whatever you want to call it. So w- whenever I see things like Patterson or you know movies with quote unquote no plot, that 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 kind of gives me pause. Do you know what I mean? Okay. But it's but it's to Jim Jarmusch's credit that this movie really does really does hang together, and obviously he's not a novice filmmaker. I, I was just making that connection because I, I recognized it as something that I used to do, and maybe other people used to do, but not successfully. But Having said that, I feel like some of the characters were just kind of placed in there and not given a whole lot to do, and yeah. that 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 was a big, big problem I had with this movie. And it frankly, it it, it kind of took me out when this character was on screen. So.
0: I, I mean, I think I know where you're going with it. I, I just to give a little background here of my experience with this movie. So when I first saw it. I, I liked it a lot. I, I I really enjoyed it. I don't write as much as I used to. I used to write all the time. It kind of like it was yeah. a habit that I got out of, and I, I keep trying to pick up. And I will tell you, when I saw this movie the first time, it, it it very much like inspired me. It just like seeing the way he would compose his poems and he would write them down. Yeah. You know, even just even just the tactile nature of watching his him write, like the yes the handwriting. It really like I I started to do it again. Like for a while, I was trying to like write a haiku a day and I wanted to keep that up. For oh, a year. yeah. I wanted to keep that up for a year. I kept it up for a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, a couple of weeks. That's good. I wrote I wrote like a, a poem or two and watching it again. I felt the same way. I, I will tell you, when I went to revisit this movie, I was a little nervous. I kind of I kind of huh. put it off a little bit because I was like I knew how how quiet and slow this movie was. Yeah, and I wasn't sure that I was I was really going to be in the mood for it. But once it started, I was kind of just in. I think Jim uh, Adam Driver like gives a really a really great performance in this. He's very he's very yeah. quiet. He kind of tones down a lot of the intensity that he has. <laughs> oh films. yeah,
1: but that, but that's the thing. It's like it, he he's intense. Uh, like on well, like you said, underneath you can see it all over his face.
0: Yeah, and that that kind of comes to the fore later in the movie. In one scene in particular, it it kind of comes out. But I, I will say that I. Watching it the second time and ha- having gotten a hint of what some of your feelings were, <laughs> I-, I started to try and see the movie through that lens. Oh, and... dude, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. It. I'll tell you this, because I think in the end, you and I both have a, a few problems with Patterson's girlfriend or wife. I, I think it's yeah. girlfriend, but it's never really specified. Yeah. Uh, his his domestic partner. Yeah, Laura. Only because yeah. this movie is all about how Patterson notices things. And so the movie g- keeps giving us glimpses into the lives of other characters who maybe only appear for one scene particular when he when he's on the bus and yeah we get these conversations which can be very fascinating and you can see he's just kind of listening he's a little amused like everything is something he's noticing and taking in yeah um, sometimes the movie verges too much to cartoonish huh. and particularly with his his domestic partner because i couldn't get a read on what the movie wanted us to think about her because she seems at times like she's clearly very supportive is you know i I saw some people talking about it as a kind of a retrograde character because she's just the housewife that's always at home baking and supporting him but
1: who did 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 somebody else say that
0: i i did when i after i watched the movie again i looked up some reviews okay um, okay See,
1: i'm not going crazy
0: no no and then
1: and, I mean, and uh, honestly dude that 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 kind of surprised me i mean i i don't know jim jarmusch the man but yeah that 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 kind of was like whoa like wifey Mm-mm.
0: yeah well i i kind of took it as his he he's got a penchant for having kind of ridiculous characters sometimes yeah. quietly ridiculous sometimes iggy pop in a dress in the middle of the woods. <laughs> um, <laughs> that are that are kind of just there to add a little bit of not quite madcap energy but a little bit of like a little bit of silliness okay my problem with her is i couldn't get a read on on her because this appears to be patterson's house she he seems to be the only one like actually earning money until she has that bake sale um
1: yeah she's always other thing Mm.
0: She was, she's always kind of just repainting. Like the movie seems yeah. to be making a joke out of her artistic ambitions because she keeps changing her mind about what she wants to do. And she gets really sure. excited. Like she's a character trying to find what sure. she wants to do. And-
1: and, and and that's totally fine. I totally am down with that. But, but here's the problem. She wasn't given anything to do like from beginning to end. So she's just kind of hanging there. And I, <laughs> I was saying this to another friend of mine. <laughs> it I, I would have liked it more had it been a different movie but um the uh how do I say it the the parts about Patterson himself were really really great it was amazing the um the what do you call it the the you know sitting at the bar uh, yeah, yeah. you know, talking to his friend the bartender and um his friend Everett oh like they just killed me but I just kind of felt like it may, maybe they could have given laura um a part-time job or maybe they could have had her at college something yeah you know <laughs> i i don't want your listeners to think that i didn't like it but i also don't want to be you know like a raving fanboy and and not give any crit- critique about it you know what i mean
0: yeah no that i mean that's what we're here for we're here for our honest yeah. opinions and to like i don't ever want to just mindlessly praise and i don't ever want to just uh tear down or yeah see drag it's, on it, it
1: it's particularly tough for me because when i when i really like things i'll just proselytize about it all day long but but if i don't i'll just keep it to myself it's kind of, <laughs> kind of hard to talk uh, in public about it because i feel so inarticulate yeah
0: oh no no that, <laughs> it's fine uh, i will say i think those scenes do say something valuable about like long-term domesticity about mm. long-term relationships uh, giving each other space like being supportive of each other together but also yeah. allowing for you know interests and pursuits that don't involve each other but yeah she's she's so often seen as kind of a joke in a way that none of the other characters are ever portrayed as hmm. like when she makes him that like that cheddar cheese and Brussels sprout pie oh sure and he's he's trying yeah. to like he's trying to you know bite take little bites and he he drinks like a full glass of water after every bite (laughs) or when she talks about the guitar she really wants it's i think we're supposed to see it as like oh she's so flighty and silly even her her artistic vision which is basically just a bunch of monochromatic like painting everything white and black um i i don't i don't think anybody else in the movie is given or is treated that much as kind of a joke and and i i i think she is supposed to be understood as a character who has her own dreams because she talks about, you know, wanting to be a country star. She wants to, she yeah. wants to open that cupcake business. And she is seen as she leaves to go off and do those things. But we never really, we never really follow her at all. And it's yeah. all, I don't know. It just seemed weird, especially on a second viewing, how much uh, Adam Driver just seemed a little bemused by her. Yeah,
1: bemused. That's the word. That's the word when, when he does that little purse-lipped grin thing. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, I think there's real love there. I think we're supposed to understand oh, sure. these characters love each other and support each other, but it's just, it, it did strike me. I mean, it was just kind of a little bit of an off note.
1: Yeah. And and, and here's the thing though. It's like, once you have to start saying, Oh, m- maybe this was the case, or maybe this was the case, then <laughs> as the, as the watcher, you're you're doing a little bit too much heavy lifting. Right. I mean, I Hey, I am all about subtlety and, you know, not, you know, spoon feeding the audience, but at some point you have to put the onus on the director. You know,
0: I watched this the second time with my wife and she was kind of only half watching it. She was, um, she was doing something else on the laptop next to me, but she watched most of the movie. And she, at the end of it, she asked if uh, Laura was real or just part of Patterson's imagination.
1: Oh, okay. And I was like, that's well, that,
0: that's not, that's not the type of movie this is, but yeah. she, she, she got, that she didn't interact with anybody. She didn't do anything. She was just kind of a muse to Patterson. Yeah. That, that, I don't think that's what the movie's doing at all, but that's kind of a valid, like, well, that's what the movie is making me think because of how much she's, how, the way that she is written and treated. Yeah. Um,
1: well, and he, here's, here's the thing that kept sticking in my mind and this is again, not fair. So I, I, I used to work in Patterson from 2009 to 2014. Okay. At the uh, at the community college, Passaic County Community College, so that that was particularly awesome seeing um, like the busty Poe. Uh, so I <laughs> I've I've myself gotten stranded there before, <laughs> um, and it's yeah it, like him walking around in the neighborhoods and uh, that that was pretty awesome and the falls. But here's the problem here's the problem that I had maybe even more than um, than Laura. Patterson, New Jersey is not a fantasy place. Like if you've ever been there, it's rundown. It's super duper working class. There are some really dangerous places that you don't even want to go like during the day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And and I did not get that from this movie. And that bothers me because <laughs> it's a movie about Patterson new jersey uh you know like as well as being a movie about this man it's a movie about the city and i i kind of felt betrayed a little bit because i know that jim jarmusch was from new york i mean he's i'm sure he's been to you know nearby patterson many times so he just kind of had an opportunity here that he squandered i feel like
0: well i i this isn't really a defense it's it's kind of an explanation i think is that uh jarmusch creates movies that are worlds he wants to live in they're not they're not quite fantasies but they aren't real life they're uh they're an appealing world where he can just kind of like compile all of the stuff he likes he's been accused a lot of his movies just being checklists of all the things he thinks are cool (laughs) and
1: like japanese people
0: yeah well yeah it's not quite as strong in this movie but they do name check a lot of people from patterson that are you oh know, sure cool to jim jarmusch there's like a method man.
1: That, 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 that i like that detour that was pretty cool
0: yeah and there's a lot of um there, there aren't as many cameos as he normally has but we do get like method oh, man yeah. shows up there's a, a loving, oh shit you're right there's a <laughs> loving shot across patterson's bookshelf you can imagine this is stuff jim jarmusch is like oh this is yep. this is a good book oh, yeah the, yeah even the musical artists that laura lists as inspirations to her are you know cool or hip for Jim Jarmusch. I don't don't think that's as big of an issue in this movie, but I will say as a former Alaskan, I'm living here in LA. (laughs)
2: I'm
0: living here in LA now for six years. I do get a very bittersweet, like almost longing when I see in a movie, like seeing in a movie someplace with brick and trees and shade and footpaths. (laughs) Uh-huh. And the leaves are varying colors. It's very appealing to me, even even knowing how rundown. Because I I did do just a like a little bit of research. Looked up Patterson, and it was like a manufacturing capital of the United States yeah. until the seventies. And
1: and I, I I feel kind of bad now. I, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to like go so hard on Patterson. But I mean, no. it's it's not. I mean, th- there are neighborhoods that are, you know, middle class, but it's, it's not a nice place.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I kind of got that from what I was reading, I was reading about I just feel like I'm digging myself further into the hole.
1: I, I agree with what you were saying about uh, Jim Jarmusch doing uh, fantasies, uh, like what worlds that he would want to live in. So I, I guess, again, it's just a matter of it not being what I expected. And it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, it, it is what it is. I can't very well critique piece of art for not being what I thought it was going to be yeah but, but 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 it is it's like a weird it's it's like a weird schism in my mind so in that way he he did a really great and interesting thing because so i want to go back and watch it several more times
0: we're not really talking about the plot which of course i, oh, I mentioned sure. it's it's plotless we don't have to discuss everything that happens in it but it is it is a, a movie of routine um yeah you know, Patterson wakes up around the same time every morning uh, without an alarm clock, he just does. We, we see that he was in the oh, Marines. Right. We see that he was in the Marines, which is just Adam Driver was in the Marines. Yeah, exactly. And then they use a picture of him. So maybe that's some military conditioning there, but he he has a very set routine. He gets up, talks with his, his girlfriend or talks with Laura in bed a minute. She tells him a dream. He has breakfast, he walks to work, he drives all day. He has lunch and sits at the Pasea Falls and he composes poetry and then he goes home has dinner goes for a walk with laura's dog yeah he doesn't like the dog he doesn't like the dog and then he goes and has like one beer at a bar and comes home and it repeats and every day that routine gets a little bit disturbed yes uh until you know finally the the final day everything just goes to hell and that's (laughs) that's the only the only real conflict in in the movie this is a a conflict-free movie uh we we do spoil things in this movie so i'm going to get right to it oh. the, in, the, the big conflict in the movie is basically the, the dog eats his notebook with all of his poems yep. that he's never copied anywhere nope the music in this movie is very not quite ethereal but it it's ethereal uh, it's one of those that's one of those words i read <laughs> I, I hear
1: oh, i uh, spelled i misspelled disingenuous on my notes here I don't know what I spelled. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the music sounds ominous in a way, like you keep expecting something huh. to happen. I kept expecting the dog was going to get stolen. Yeah, like, and it was going to be like an argument with his wife. I I just kept expecting all of these different things to to go wrong. And they see, don't, they don't really. I
1: see I, I thought that was really cool. What 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 they what he did with um, with the dog and the the guys in the car um, who said? I think it was Chekhov there's a famous quote it says uh, if there's a gun on the mantle in the first act it has to go off by the end of the third act and I was like oh shit because with the guys in the car and the dog that's right at the beginning and you're just like waiting to see what's going to happen but nothing happens the plot doesn't go anywhere there's still that tension with the dog kind of going underneath and I, I, I thought that was pretty ingenious I thought that was cool
0: yeah, because he keeps tying the dog up loosely outside the bar, and he really does seem to be wanting to get rid of it.
1: Yeah, and, I, I, and I, that, that's actually that's actually what I wrote. Why did he leave the dog outside, moron?
0: I I was kind of wondering sometimes, like what the dog was supposed to mean in this movie, <laughs> only because. Uh. There, there's a lot of cuts to reaction shots of the dog like watching or growling at something or not even growling, uh, just kind of- That's breathing. interesting. I couldn't quite figure out, <laughs> like it, it's weird to think about emotionally what I should be feeling when I'm looking at a dog. Well, yeah, and that's, that, it, that, that, that's the cool thing
1: uh, about this movie is that you're, how do I say it? I, I I guess the best way to put it is like, it's, uh, it's like one long still. Right, but it's so he's like, for example, sitting in the in the driver's chair of the bus and all you see is out the window and then that's it. Right, but but what I mean is it, it just focuses on that one area. So you see all the details of the stop sign or the garbage can or whatever it is, do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, there, there's a lot of shots that really drag, drag us into, in, into Patterson's point of view. Like when he's walking, and he'll look up and then you know the camera will show his point of view for a minute and it's a very a focus on in many ways very mundane things just yeah the look of a book of matches or a box of matches that he ends up writing a poem about or well yeah well, kind and of that, the yeah. angle or sorry the angle of the side of the bus from out of a window
1: yes well and that that's what's so interesting about it was that uh, i mean clearly uh Jim Jarmusch did his, WCW homework, because he's, I mean, he's nailing it in numerous occasions, like he, uh, so I wrote down he, um, with the poetry on the screen and him talking, there's a constant focus on the details. And I started to pay attention to more of those details, and the picture started to to change, like with each, um, each day, the sequence is basically the same, but there's little details that he uh, Jim Jarmusch uh, kind of forces you to focus on by like replaying that same sequence of of film over and over and over you know what I mean
0: yeah when I first watched this I kind of had one impression of the movie and then watching it this now now the second time I, I just feel like there's a lot more in the movie there's a lot yeah um, there's a second viewing gave me more questions because yeah um, there's a scene so One of the subplots from the movie at the bar is his friend Everett and uh, this old friend, like childhood friend of Everett's that he's in love with. It's kind of so sad. Yeah. He's kind of been friend zoned if we want to use that that (laughs) term. Um, And he, he brings a gun. We think it's a gun. He brings a gun and threatens to do something crazy because the woman won't go out with him. And then he, he puts it to his own head and Patterson just jumps out of the chair and disarms him and knocks him safely to the ground. Yeah. See, see, I'd say that was the climax. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a climax. When I first watched it, I was like, well, this move, this scene is out of place in this movie. I, I felt that it didn't quite fit because it's one of those moments where I, the movie has such a stillness that it seemed to all of a sudden go to, go to, from zero to a hundred. Yeah. And it just seemed like, it, to me it felt a little out of nowhere watching it the second time and watching how patterson reacts and how Patter- patterson reacts afterwards where he kind of like he's clearly very shaken but nobody else seemed to, <laughs> nobody else yeah. seemed to take it seriously like it, it was that's a toy that's true that's true it was a toy gun and the the girl is like thank you patterson that was very heroic but she doesn't like, ever oh that's anything? just everett yeah like nobody seems to be worried but patterson reacted like it was it was literally life and life or death sure and then afterwards he's he's clearly on that adrenaline high he like laughs a little bit yeah then he has a discussion the next morning with laura where you can see that he's like it's still bothering him because he's like he says like it sure looked like a real gun yeah where now i was watching it this time with like like patterson has a lot that he is barely keeping below the surface like like it's it just seemed to me like there was a there was a tension to him, and maybe an anger that he was he was not fighting against, but like choosing to sublimate,
1: oh okay, interesting,
0: and I think the changing interpretation is to do with how how much like a poem this movie itself is structured mm-hmm. with, with well yeah, with little uh, the Japanese director uh, Ozu, he called them pillow shots where the scene would be going on and then he'd, he'd put an insert shot of something without people in it or something very mundane. And it was, it was kind of meant as a breather, as a moment, (sighs) a quick moment of reflection for the audience before we get back into the story. And so there's a lot of those in that, there's a lot of repeating images and dialogue.
1: Yeah. The (sighs) slice of life, like fly on the wall thing that, uh, the movie does <laughs> again it's freaking ingenious that Patterson is a bus driver because that's perfect for being a fly on the wall. And if you if you know the book, the poem Patterson, William Carlos Williams intersperses uh like news clips, letters from friends of his, uh back and forth, uh, like long sections of uh like nonfiction stuff. It it's kind of like found text but he like worked it together with uh you know whatever stances he was working uh, working on in, in the in the poem so it all kind of hangs together even though they're really you know disparate pieces of writing do you know what I mean
0: okay yeah I haven't read it um
1: oh it's fascinating and he um he he organizes it a lot like this well the movie organizes it a lot like uh, like the book because there's just different strands of characters running through it uh, at the same time it's it's really really interesting the way the way this movie is, is put together like that yeah. like especially with the with the Gaetano <clears throat> uh, Bresci thing like I can totally see oh you know driving along in the bus looking at a tree and then you cut to that those two college students talking about you know Italian anarchists in, in 1900 like what the hell yeah but, but somehow it works
2: you know, it, and, it and it's
1: giving the back, the back history of the city. And that that's, that's what I wanted. The bit about Gaetano Bresci and the, um, you know, the college students talking about, about him and how he was, you know, Italian American immigrant and stuff like that. Uh, I, I wanted more of that. I wanted more history of the city and more, I don't know, maybe maybe a little bit more about Williams. What I was trying to say earlier and not being successful was that there's a disconnect for me between the Patterson, New Jersey that I know that I've been to, worked at for six years and to have friends there. Uh there's a disconnect between that city and this Patterson, New Jersey that's portrayed in this movie.
0: I'm more willing to forgive it just not having ever, ever been there, like not yeah. knowing much about it. So it's it's easier. I I do think that is that is kind of a local, maybe a local complaint. Not, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. that you're local, but it's just like you know, it, like living here in LA now, and I see how quickly people get around in movies. I'm like, oh well, that's like that's like two hours away <laughs> where they they were just oh, right. from the previous. So that that's kind of maybe that's getting into a little bit, but but yeah. then again, he is setting the movie there. The the place is supposed to be so much of what informs this movie. So. Yeah. It, that is kind of valid that he he got it he got it so he didn't get it wrong he just portrayed it in a way that it isn't it's like i said it's it's the way he kind of wants it to be
1: yeah and, yeah exactly and, and i i guess i should i mean i can't fault him for that it's not it's not my place to fault him like if, if i want to make a different you know gritty patterson movie then i would make that movie you know i should make that movie
0: yeah you because know, this this is definitely meant to be kind of a a gentle film. Yeah. Um, for sure and you you talked about his his job as a bus driver being perfect for this film it it's perfect in another way too because of how how much a creature of routine patterson is that his job is literally going over the same ground every day yeah with with minor variations in who he's listening to like the people (laughs) that are with him but he's he's on the same streets he's making the same turns everything that he does in his job is exactly the same which is uh, an interesting parallel. There's also, um, I guess we should, I, I, we should just also bring this up, the, the repetition of twins in the film.
1: Yeah, that was weird. I, I didn't really get that. So I mean, I, I, I thought, thought it was super interesting to, to look at, but I, I, I've been mulling it over and I don't have a good answer.
0: In the movie, Laura has a dream about having twins, I think. She, okay. she, has a, she mentions twins and from that point on patterson seen sees twins everywhere there's two guys that look the same like when he goes to work yeah. uh, sam, sam and dave playing pool at the bar <laughs> Rare. there's two girls walking across right. the street there's even they go to a movie patterson and laura go to a movie uh, the island of lost souls and patterson says that laura could be twins with the panther woman in that film
1: right that's right So they're,
0: they're everywhere and the way that that came about is one of the little girls on the bus her her mom and sister were at this on the set and uh Jim Jarmusch noticed that the little girl had an identical twin and so he asked the mom to bring the daughter the next day and they filmed it with the scene with them together as twins and then he he started looking for twins to cast in the background and wrote that scene for Laura because he just thought that that was that was interesting but um Jarmusch calls that calls the twins anti-significant he says (laughs) there's something that you're supposed to think means something but is actually just in itself kind of meaningless like he kind of he (laughs) kind of thought he thought (laughs) he thought maybe it would it would kind of lead the audience to think that maybe by the end of the movie laura was going to be pregnant with twins or something else so he he just yeah he just wanted something in there that that didn't actually amount amount to anything but i think it adds kind of an interesting (laughs) interesting flavor to the movie
1: I take back every bad thing I ever said about him. That is genius. <laughs> that is fantastic.
0: I think I think we're we're maybe getting to the end. I'm trying to look see if okay. there's anything else I wrote in my notes.
1: Oh, I've certainly never heard Paul Lawrence Dunbar being name checked in a rap. I thought that was pretty fantastic. Oh yeah. That was great. I
0: I, I do like that uh that method man scene, as brief it is, as it is, it does just seem kind of like Yeah. There's like, hey, somebody you know, I can throw in.
1: The mirrors. Do you you know the the mirrors? that, that the, um, the little girl character, uh, she actually pointed it out. Do you, know, you remember that?
0: I, I don't.
1: Oh, shoot. I just wrote, the little girl was the first one to point out the mirror thing to the audience, ha ha. And then I wrote, he keeps going doing this cool thing where he shows people moving in mirrors or walking past mirrors and he plays with the space uh, that way. So he'll like, for example, there was one shot, uh, I think it was Laura was standing in the mirror or no, he's standing in the mirror and she, Laura walks up next to him, but it's kind of, you have to do a double take because it's, um, you no. Know, here, just, just, if you go back and watch it again, just pay attention to the mirrors because you'll see like lots of play with light and space and stuff like that. And the, uh, I believe it was the little girl who was standing at the bus stop pointed something out about it.
0: Oh, okay. I thought yeah. for a so minute. So it's kind of
1: like a meta thing going on. It's really interesting.
0: I thought maybe you were talking about the young poet, the girl that he sits with to wait while well, she's waiting for her mom. Yeah, that girl. Yeah. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. I thought that was really cool. The way, the way he just kind of, uh, kind of did that.
0: She's also a twin. She's waiting for her twin to come out.
1: Oh, right. That's right. You're right.
0: What did you think, like kind of the, the final, not, not the final scene, but the scene with uh, the Japanese poet who comes to the, like oh. sits next to him while they're like right after his poems have been uh, destroyed by the dog
1: yeah I thought that was awesome I um let's see what did I write oh I wrote excuse me this might be socially inappropriate but haha yeah oh, uh, excuse I love- me again are you knowing the great poet William Carlos Williams I thought I thought that was awesome and I also like- wrote Frank O'Hare as the tits I <laughs> love that he gets name dropped
0: I love that scene so much this time and just yeah that, that,
1: kept- that, that really worked for me that was great
0: the way he kept going aha like yeah um first of all it it was very funny. Like Jim Jarmusch has this thing where there will be so much stillness, and then just the slightest intonation, the slightest character movement, will suddenly yeah. seem very funny because because of how still it was. There's well, a, that's
1: a very Japanese thing. You
0: know? there, oh, there, there, there's also a scene it when Everett at the bar. It's like I think it's Everett's first scene at the bar where Doc says to him, "You should be an actor because of how depressed." He's <laughs> I acting. am an actor and he's like i am an actor yeah. and then and then patterson just kind of like turns his head away cuz he's laughing yeah and i was i was laughing out loud at that scene yeah and it's not it's not even the funniest thing in the world it's just how how kind of still it is that you know the character is just having a moment of humor is is very funny so the japanese poet not named but played by masatoshi nagase okay uh, it, it's it's kind of the first time in the movie that patterson is accepting himself as a poet
1: yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And he's accepting himself and he's also being asked about himself by somebody else, you know, something that's very intimate to him, like something that's very, very
0: personal to him. Yeah. Cause he, he writes and he, he doesn't keep it secret. She calls it the, his poems, his secret book, but he, yeah. he writes in front of people quite a bit, but he does kind of like go and lock himself in that tiny <laughs> room in the basement. Yeah. Yeah, and write and he doesn't share the poems with anybody even with her it seems um yeah and it, it seems like he even when he's talking to the young girl as a and she's saying that she's a poet he won't say that he also writes poems he just kind yeah, of is like oh that's sad. interesting I like those.
1: yeah see like I, I I took that two ways I took it like oh he just he's just bashful and doesn't want to you know even show his poems to a child but I also took it like he wanted to keep the spotlight on her and keep her talking cuz he likes talking to people and getting to know people.
0: Yeah, no, it, it it goes both ways. This movie is a lot a lot about the virtues of an ordinary life. Yeah. of living and being content in with being content, like not <laughs> yeah, not.
1: Well, uh, and that's that's one of the things I really enjoyed and it, it it was it was difficult to watch him uh you know trying to well, he he didn't try to piece together the his notebook, but you know, just watching him hold it in his hands because, I mean, everybody's had that experience at some time or another where they just had all this work, you know, writing and uh, drawing or whatever that they did, and for whatever reason, it's just, it just gets fucked up. It's just gone, and he he had to start over completely. Yeah, and I, that that you know tragedy. I mean, let's call it what it is. I mean to a creative person that's a friggin' tragedy and I, I kind of felt like he needed that to uh to move on you know
0: yeah M- was-
1: move on from what I don't know but <laughs> he was someplace and then his his shit got completely destroyed and then he had this epiphany but it was really interesting because I kind of felt like you know the epiphany is different for each watcher of the movie do you know what I mean
0: uh yeah I understand that that's And that kind of goes to the poetic aspect of the film, that so much of it is open to interpretation from from stuff that isn't meant to mean anything like the twins to like what I was saying about how I couldn't quite understand his relationship with the dog at times, which is (laughs) is, it's I keep thinking it's a silly thing, but it it really does cut to the dog. No, I
1: mean, and I I guess everything is well, I almost said everything's in there for a reason, but apparently not (laughs) with the with the twins. Apparently, there's not a reason for the twins, but maybe there's a reason for the dog. And I'm I'm definitely going to uh, watch it again and, and look, see. And that th- that's the thing, dude. That's the thing that pisses me off is that this movie was almost perfect. That that I think that's what's bothering me more than more than anything else.
0: <sighs> well, I will say I can't say which one of us liked it more. I think maybe <laughs> I liked it more just because I don't have any of that personal connection to Patterson itself. Maybe my being a dilettante as well with poetry, though, I've not read any yeah. William Carlos Williams. I don't believe
1: uh, I, I'll send you some.
0: oh, ok. <laughs> he's,
1: he's absolutely it, it, incredible. he's He's probably my well, probably my favorite writer. I think Jack Kerouac was my favorite for most of my life, but Williams kind of overtook him. oh uh, nice, incredible.
0: yeah, i I look forward to that. It did inspire me to go read and talking to hmm. you and how much you you you've been talking about how much you like him. Yeah, uh, has inspired me to, to check him out. I just it, it's a it's a it is a cultural blind spot of, for me. But perhaps. hey, it's
1: okay. It's it, it took me until 20, 2012, yeah. 2011, to find my niche. That I'm at as a reader and a writer. Like I, poetry is where it's at for me, or or drama, right? Or or, or movies. I, my wife is the one that's slowly getting me into fiction because I just don't do it. But like movies, I'll consume all day long. But as a, as a fiction book, for some reason, it just doesn't, doesn't make the leap for me.
0: I will say in in one of the most important lessons I ever learned through school, it was in college. It was taking Eastern religion classes and Kung Fu when I was in that mm-hmm. Kung Fu school for a couple of years. The most important lesson I, I think I've I've really taken to heart is that the Tao is fa- found in all things. That <laughs> no matter what little thing you're interested in, like that is valid that is like you don't your life can be focused on whatever you want your life to be focused on because it's all going to lead everybody to the same place
1: well yeah and that, that's an excellent point about you know going back to the the virtues of a simple life i i i think that there's uh there's a lot of deep stuff going on under the surface with this with this film
0: so it seems like maybe we're 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 kind of at the end of this so i think there's a lot there's a lot more to this movie i i would recommend it I, how about you
1: oh absolutely unequivocally yes
0: this is a movie that i uh i've enjoyed both times it made me it put a smile on my face it made me feel good it inspired me to get each time to write something i i think me too i wrote a lot you yeah no i i'm not just talking about notes but it, it inspired me to like get back into writing um yeah that too time. yeah and uh, i yeah i really enjoy this movie but uh was there anything else that you want to say before we get to our next one
1: No, I I think, I think I'll, I'll I'll put the capper on Patterson. Um, I, I found a lot of parallels though, between this and, and blinded by the light. So I may reference it again.
0: So we're just going to take a quick break. We'll be right back and we'll be discussing our next movie. Okay. We're back. And the next movie up for discussion, uh, my pick this week, is Blinded by the Light. Now, Blinded by the Light is a 2019 comedy-drama-sorta jukebox musical film based on the life of British journalist Sarfraz Manzur as he comes of age in the South England town of Luton during the late 80s. Javed, the film version of Sarfraz, is entering college and harboring dreams of becoming a writer despite his parents' desire for him to do something more economically productive with his life and arise in anti-immigrant sentiment during the final years of Margaret Thatcher's England. Javed finds possibly unlikely inspiration in the words and music of Bruce Springsteen, which helped him find the courage to follow his dreams. I'd seen this movie before. I'm not sure. Had you seen this one before I picked it for the podcast? I never have, no. We talked about like being kind of a, a dilettante when it comes to... Uh, or for me anyway being a dilettante when it comes to William Carlos Williams I'm a little bit more familiar with Bruce Springsteen but oh the guy's got so much and and there's such a history there I am I can't claim to be an ultimate Bruce fan I I like the few albums of his that I have I really respect the man but I'm just I'm not super familiar with him or with his story I should say but I I watched this. I just had a smile on my face the entire time. I, I watched it the first time. Yeah. And I will say sometimes I think the movie goes a little too broad. Like it, it's a crowd pleaser and hmm. it, it sometimes goes a little bit too too much towards the Hollywood like tear jerking. Let's get some broad feel good moments or just uh, over emotionality. Oh yeah. It it dips into that just a little bit, but I for some reason, I totally forgive it with this film, just because it's it really is wearing its heart on its sleeve. It's just so earnest and trying to be so joyful. Yeah,
1: I, I, I want to know like where where did they get that kid? I I I, I don't remember the actor's name, but uh, the, the the kid that plays Javid, he's amazing. Yeah, he's just like what the fuck.
0: I I agree. He's he's really good. He's so likable. I'm actually looking up to see right now who played him.
1: Yeah. And it's really strange. It was strange for me personally because I, I have a friend who um, looks exactly like this kid. Well, he's like forty something now, but yeah, w- my, my wife and I went to college with this kid, or she went to college with this kid, um, and I was just kind of hanging around with, with them as a, an older guy in uh, in Austin, Texas. So so many um, aspects of the story, you know, reminded me of my friend. You know, like his his father was super domineering. You know, he wanted the son to do, you know, something uh, uh, reasonable with his life. You know what I mean? And it's just, yeah, I, I really, I, I felt it. it, it this was uh, this is a good one.
0: So his name is uh, Vivek Kaira. Um, I'm okay. so sorry if I'm really mispronouncing that. This is not his first role, but his first film. he's He's been on a like two television miniseries. So he's just starting out, but he was so incredibly likable in this film and he had such just kind of a such an energy to him. It's I mean, he is a big part of the appeal of the film, I think, because as soon as it was over, I kind of wanted to watch it again. I just wanted to exist in (laughs) in this sort of the sort of optimism this movie has. Yeah. and, And warmth where even even when there are disagreements in the family, like there's a so Javed has some major disagreements with his dad who could have been painted as a very overbearing patriarch who, who is not quite abusive, but just so stuck in traditional roles. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and for a moment he is, he, he does, there is a blow up where Javed leaves uh, at one point in the movie and they don't talk to each other for a little while, but he does come around their reconciliation might be one of those moments that's just a little bit Hollywood. Like it, I'm sure it didn't go quite like it does in this movie. Um, sure. Because he, he he has the line at the end of the movie where he, he keeps thinking uh, Springsteen is a, is Jewish because of his name. He, he's very dismissive. Right. He's, like, he's like, you shouldn't be listening to this music. And then at the end of the movie, he's like, he says, I listened to some of this Springsteen. Are you sure he's not? He's American. He's not Pakistani because he talks about right, right. respecting your parents and working hard. And that's a line that just kind of like, it, it's a bit corny. Yeah, yeah. So my point is that, there is conflict in the family but it's never it's never hateful it's it's, right it's angry at times but it it, it's more frustration and there is still clearly love there i don't know it especially like these days watching this movie it it felt it was very welcome it it, i mean i just felt good watching it
1: (laughs) yeah Uh, and it's uh, the um whatchamacallit the the uh, historical aspect to, was really interesting to me because I mean, I, I was r- roughly this age in um, 1987, right? Isn't that what when, when was set
0: Yes, I believe 87,
1: 88. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're, oh, geez, how many years younger than me are you? How old are you
0: now? I'm 42.
1: Okay. I'm 40, <laughs> 40 something. But uh yeah, I know I was in uh, uh, a freshman at, at Diamond in 1987. And so all the music, obviously, was like, oh, oh my god, Pet Shop arts, Oh my god, this. Oh my god, that. When I heard it in the movie, and just the fashion. Like I, I really liked the, um, the history because, man, I, I didn't know shit about Thatcherism. I didn't know. I mean, I, I found out about it later when I got to college and stuff. But just seeing how you know how how these folks lived in the in the eighties in this tiniest little town that was really interesting to me and especially with like the the skinheads coming through and it was it was kind of not shocking but it was just kind of jarring man because you have this you know what you think is going to be a cute little a jukebox musical like you said but then there's wham there's this thing that comes in i I thought they handled all of that really well it's good
0: yeah it it adds A really nice context to the film and one that that is still kind of resonant today because you're right it gets to the the stuff um the skinheads the national front uh, and in britain it you know it's he's got the the dad gets laid off from his factory job that he's been at for 16 years yep and i mean you can clearly see why this kid would find resonance in the lyrics of bruce springsteen at this time (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah because it, it's kind Absolutely. of treated, It's treated in the advertisement, and there's a lot of characters that kind of look at it like a Pakistani into Bruce Springsteen, and no, nobody listens to him anymore because it's, it's the late 80s and he's doing, I mean, he's dad rock at this point. Um, <laughs> uh, Which is
1: hilarious to think about because he, I don't think he was even 30 then, was he? Uh,
0: yeah, I'm not sure. I think this would have <laughs> come out. Oh, I'm trying to remember what album. I think it's The River that they're promoting. Oh, yeah. What? Would, have, would he have done Tunnel of Love? Because that was kind of his his divorce. No, Tunnel record. of Love was
1: um, yeah, Tunnel of Love was '87.
0: So that that would have been around the time that he was doing, you know, his his divorce album. <laughs> like that, <laughs> yeah. like he had kind of fully embraced, not fully embraced, but th- just like the popular perception of him was that he was he was kind of for older white guys, and <laughs> and of course that Reagan would keep playing Born in the USA and. <sighs> And he was known for oh, being the boss. I mean, he was on Alvin and the Chipmunks, or they talked about him on Alvin oh. and the Chipmunks a lot. <laughs> oh my God. I was just looking up Alvin and the Chipmunks
1: today. I don't know why. <laughs> the, the the NBC one from the eighties.
0: Yeah, that like that was awesome. I think I think Alvin was just idolized Bruce Springsteen. I just remember him in cartoons for my childhood more than anything. <laughs> Not that he was on them, it's just that oh. he was he was so embraced by
1: with the bandana and the vest. Yeah. And, yeah
0: he was so embraced by eighties pop culture in such a kind of a weird way. When you look at his lyrics and what he he's all about. Yeah.
1: Well, that's what makes it doubly awesome.
0: I haven't read a lot about the England in this time, but being kind of a little bit of an Anglophile in the music and the books and the things that I watch and read and all of that. I, I know that we kind of had, we had Reagan who was very harmful in many ways to you know, to, to the homeless, certainly to like, you know, the gay population in America with how he it just ignored the AIDS crisis. And, right. But he was, he was kind of seen as a kindly doddering old man. That's kind of the right. image that was, that was projected in pop culture and even a little bit by the white house where he, he was an actor. He was a little bit forgetful and, yep. but he was likable. So we had that here. So we had these very, you know, bright go, go eighties, everything, you know, you look back at what people remember yeah. from the 80s and it's all it was going like, on.
1: yeah, it was like the 80s as the 50s.
0: Yeah. But then in England, you've got Thatcher, who who was really talking about like rounding up gay people in, into camps. Right. And you've got the death of their uh, manufacturing industry, which, of course, we've dealt with here in this country as well. And right. it seems like England was, for the most part, through the 80s, a much more. Gray place than what we at least what America projected in during the same time period mm-hmm. so I think now people kind of have a um people have a very distorted view just because we you know pop culture was presenting so much like happiness and and yeah. brightness that which it always is, but in the eighties it, it really stuck that that's kind of what people remember and, yeah. and they don't remember it's kind true. of our own our own issues I, I don't know if you ever watched the the show of the americans
1: oh i never did is that the one with uh, with felicity i mean um what's her face yeah carrie. yeah she's yeah
0: carrie russell and yeah, yeah. um so they're russian spies that have been here for decades and they have kids and they're just you know yeah well, this isn't about that we're not, like this podcast isn't about that show so we don't need to talk too much about it i will say that that show gets the 80s more right than anything else i've seen in popular culture hmm of course i i mean i was a kid in the 80s i, I well yeah i mean i was born in 78 so i yeah. i don't i don't have like firm memories or understanding of everything that was going on in the world at that time but it does have just kind of like the look of everything from you know the the clothes people are wearing are still kind of from the 70s mm-hmm. as well because you know you look at it not everybody had everything that was in the tv on in the movies yeah. i i will just say it's a great show if you if anybody wants to watch it it is terrific but that show really captures what i remember the 80s kind of being like from my little my, my memories of being there
1: yeah yeah that, and that's that's interesting I, I thought it was pretty clever how they, they 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 made the asbury park barry park connection in the in the film
0: yeah because the 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 movie is based on the book, greetings from Barry park religion and rock and roll. I haven't read the book. I've listened to some interviews with Safra's mom's where this sounds all pretty accurate. Obviously it it's made up a little bit. I'm sure there's some stuff that happens in this movie that I'm very suspect if it actually happened at all, Uh, such as such as him singing at the, the little clothing stand that he's working at with his friend and his friend's dad and the, he's, he starts and saying, everybody breaks out into song. <clears throat> yeah. And everybody starts bringing out, everybody's <laughs> dancing around him. There, there's stuff like that. Or even, even when he and his friend Roops break into the college radio station, yeah. start playing Springsteen and lock the door behind them. And they like, I'm not sure that happened or if it happened, I'm sure it wasn't at all. <laughs> like it's presented in the movie. Sure. Uh, but th- I mean, that, but, that's just, that's what just to do.
1: Just just like Jim Jarmouche. Um, oh crap, I forgot the who's the
0: director of this film. Garinder Chada.
1: Ah yeah, yeah. So just just like um the Patterson movie, this is a fantasy about good things that happen. You know, breaking into song in, in the middle of a of a clothing stall or or um like you said, breaking into a college radio station and not having any consequences.
0: I will say that I, I recognize this as a fantasy. And this movie works on me, it, 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 like especially even the second viewing, it works on me to an extent that might might have been embarrassing to my younger self, just how <laughs> how much I like teared up or yeah. I got chills at certain points. Because if for nothing else, this movie absolutely nails that feeling you have as a teen or whenever you have that feeling of suddenly finding the artist that speaks to you. Oh, that, I have notes about that. And just how obsessive you get. Like, I remember, yep. I mean, it wasn't Springsteen for me. I was, I was getting into like- Nine Snails. Uh, well, Nine Snails and The Cure. I, I just yes. remember my, my room, like you, you look at his room in this movie and he's got Bruce Springsteen posters everywhere. My room would make his room look subtle. Like in in <laughs> high school, yeah. I just remember having every inch of my walls like plastered with musicians and yep. uh, writers that I liked. And it was just like my my room Absolutely. was a shrine to the stuff that I liked. And this movie nails that moment of just like suddenly connecting to something out there.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, and I wrote uh, I wrote the Cure as well. It's brought me back to high school, and I was pouring over the lyrics. Like, oh, oh, you know, so and so wrote this for me, and I. Totally understand what they're talking about and et cetera, et cetera, and 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 it's like it's like that heat.
0: You know? I watched this this time.
1: Oh, I just had a thought. Okay, so 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 here here's the comparison, right? This movie is hot. The Patterson movie is cold, right? So the like the whole thing like these to talk about jazz, you know, like is it like is it hot? Like are you is, is your heart on your sleeve? Are you you know? jumping out of your skin like you just can't stand it anymore you have to do something or is it cold? is it cool you know what I mean like like you're 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 hanging back you're reserved you're not you know showing
0: your hand as it were yeah and that's totally these movies that is perfect that's a perfect description of them thank you Uh, because when Javed first hears Springsteen his friend like uh, his friend Roops Roops gives him Uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town, and Born to Run on cassette, I think. And Javed kind of holds on to him for while. and he just listens to those cassettes one night after kind of having an argument with his family. And I kind of want to say that the movie goes too far in this moment in having him, he goes, no, because he he runs out into the streets and the wind is blowing and there's lightning flashing, and he starts posing like he's in a music video while, (laughs) while like stormy skies are projected behind him yeah walls and the lyrics flash up and I I actually like the lyrics that flash up I kind of want to say that the movie goes too far in that if only I didn't understand exactly how he's feeling in that moment and and kind of feeling like like it's a good external representation of what he's thinking in his head because you know like the writer Chuck Klosterman has a, a line about Led Zeppelin where he says that older guys like Led Zeppelin because it listening to Led Zeppelin makes them feel as cool as they think they are.
2: Which <laughs> that's I, think awesome.
0: I get where Javed is at in the, that moment that it, listening to music that speaks to you like that, you do suddenly feel like, like, Oh, I am so cool right now.
1: Oh <laughs> <Well>, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that that's what it's about is like literally finding your space that you can move around in the world. And it's, that that that's your. I mean, you know, risking sounding cliche. that's that's your soundtrack. I mean, you. It, it it's like it's like it's piped in from somewhere, that it, that you it's mysterious to you. Do you know what I mean? Like like you're exp- exploring these these new ideas, and God, when you're a teenager, that that's the time. Oh, I totally got that from this movie. Also. Yeah, that was great.
0: Yeah, it is it is easy to kind of forget as jaded older men how strongly everything feels at that yes in your life that yeah everything is is so great and so awful at the same time Um, (laughs) yeah often within the space of five minutes yeah so with the same person so even if I I kind of keep going back to the fact that this movie goes a little too broad and, and I don't actually know if it goes too broad or if it's just me still trying to keep an ironic distance from things because <laughs> this movie is just uh, this this movie irony's crap yes yes but you know what i mean like you, yeah i know exactly uh, what you mean it, it's hard to just like fully embrace something as much as yep. this movie does so as much as i say that i think it's it's balanced out by some really neat specificity um, like i'm thinking about the scene where javed takes his younger sister i think what do they call it a daytimer. Yeah, he takes her to basically a club that plays in the daytime, so that all these all South these Asian teens, teenagers, yeah, can can have a party yeah. because they're they're not allowed out after curfew or yeah. whatever. And it, it's an, it's a very joyous moment. Um, Javed kind of seems a little bit unsure of it at the in the, in that scene, like he's looking at his sister dancing, and it looks like he's <laughs> almost getting a little disapproving. But there's there's a line of dialogue yeah. right afterwards where he he's like, "You are amazing." it kind of opens his eyes to the fact that other people are having the same experience as him. It, it was That's my true of it.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, I, thought it was, I thought it was pretty cool that it was um, like uh, 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 Indian and Pakistan, uh, Pakistani inspired uh, music, but it was like house or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what you, some like kind of electronica.
0: It was interesting. And what I really enjoyed about the, brother and sister and the sister is not like a huge character but she's there through the movie and she's kind of a good a good pairing with him what i liked about it is that they're both rebelling in Mm mostly silent ways like Javed is a little bit more open about the fact that he's unhappy but the sister and he are both rebelling but they're kind of rebelling in different directions they're in the middle so they're, they're pakistani the dad is traditional in many ways but has in 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 many other ways kind of turned not turned his back on his heritage but is living a british life while also realizing yeah. he isn't british and he will never be british and his kids will never be proper british is how i think he says that at one point yeah they're both rebelling but javed is rebelling towards western culture and uh his sister shazia is rebelling back to her her more asian heritage
1: yeah yeah but
0: it, i thought that was an interesting like, I'm glad that they left that touch in. I'm glad that they offered kind of a counterpoint or not a counterpoint, but just like a different path is seen in the movie than just what job is doing.
1: Yeah, that's true. Never thought about it like that. I mean, I um, kind of did, but I didn't get that, that intricate. That's awesome.
0: Let's see. I, I actually didn't write a lot of notes for this movie. Like I did yeah. with You're too
1: busy watching it.
0: Yeah. Cause I, I really did just get caught up in it. It's such a, uh, I keep saying it's a feel-good movie. I, I know that this came out. It was not a very big hit. It kind of flew under the radar, I think. Yeah, totally did. I think it got really unfairly overlooked, partly because they opened it wide, like immediately just threw it out into theaters. I think, I think it could have benefited from word of mouth. But also, it should be mentioned, it was up against, in 2019, another jukebox musical <laughs> Uh, about men of South Indian descent and how their love of a p- particular musical group or artist shapes their lives. Uh, I'm talking about yesterday, the Danny Boyle. Film.
1: oh, yeah, that's right.
0: See, I forgot about that one too. Have you seen that movie?
1: No, but that that's yeah, I mean, if you're talking this one or that one, I mean that's that's really close like in theme. Kind of surprising, they released them both in the same year. I mean, I guess I don't, like I, I don't know how producers do things, but
0: yeah it's it, crazy it, it happens sometimes you know there's there's duplicate projects uh, maybe. unless maybe...
1: <laughs> unless you're trying to go for like a like a dual a dual um what do you call it natural disaster movie
0: yeah those, know, those are the ones got...
1: that always happen yeah like both your volcano movies both your earthquake movies
0: i i knowing a little bit more or or i mean i'll i'm not in the industry so i don't really know <laughs> but knowing a little bit more about how Studios work. It more seems to me that one of them got they. They both had these projects that were percolating. One studio greenlit a movie, and then the studio's like, "Oh, there's a market for this. We should get one. Get this. We uh, should work on yeah. this now." I will say, in the battle between those two movies, I think "Blinded by the Light" is the clear winner. I have okay. I have very serious problems with yesterday, uh, which if you haven't seen, I don't want to get too much into it. I just think that the movie. Uh, how do I put it without... Screw the pooch? Well, <laughs> that's one way of putting it. I will I will say the movie is has its likable moments, but really misses what is interesting about the premise. Okay. Because in the movie yesterday, the character wakes up in a world where nobody remembers the Beatles. Right, right, right. And so he, he's a struggling musician, so he starts claiming he wrote the Beatles music.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: I think the movie really ignores what could have been interesting about that premise in that it touches on it for maybe one brief scene but never actually faces it where what do you do as that character when you know that all of your success is a lie like how would you deal with the imposter syndrome of that Mm -hmm. and um plus watching the movie i he's an immediate success in (laughs) yesterday like everybody loves all of his music right but the beatles so much of their allure these days throughout history is so tied to that time and the growth that they were going through. Yeah. That I was watching it. I'm like, he's putting out his first album and I'm like, what are people going to think of an album that has, I want to hold your hand and the long and winding road on it.
1: That context
0: is gone. Like that, that just seems like it wouldn't be the big international hit that the movie makes it out to be.
1: (sighs) Yeah, that yeah, that's interesting.
0: And I'm I'm sorry, I'm talking way too much about it. No, We're not, I am, here not to, at all. But I, it's interesting. I'd check it out. I think Danny Boyle is always a director worth watching. But I, I didn't care for it that much. And this was huh. the this was the movie I think should have been the big hit.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm always curious about uh, movies with music because that's just the kind of nerd that I am. I, I, I wrote a good note here. Um, I'll be the judge of that. Oh, all, right. all right. So he, he, here, here's my note. Maybe it's good. This movie and Springsteen acknowledge the shit and glory of working class life. Uh...
0: yeah. Well, that that's another parallel with Patterson, right? Yeah, yeah. Which these are these are both movies because they're both they are both centered on kind of a a that New Jersey, you know, post factory or you know, oh, yeah. like, like th- they're working class and factory life even though it's not really factory life in the movie patterson just that that kind of milieu yep. is very much at the heart of where the inspirations for these two movies came from yep. and it makes sense to me that this kid in 1980s *Luton*, Luton would find so much to connect with bruce springsteen because yes. you look at it and like yeah their their factories are shutting down their their mass layoffs and massive unemployment there's a rise of fascism with the national front.
1: Living out in the middle of nowhere, basically.
0: Yeah. The line that keeps getting, I think it's played a, a few times. It's a town full of losers. Baby, we were born to run. Like, <laughs> yeah. Imagine how much that would speak to somebody living in that sort of environment.
1: Oh, yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, just in, and I wrote this down too, like just, just the feeling of growing up in a oh, like a, 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 a city where there's nothing to do as a kid, like growing up in Anchorage, like there, there's nothing to do as a, like a older teenager, young adult, at least when I was growing up and just that gray, just that gray feeling. You're like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Like now, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm going to die or kill myself. And it's just so much of that just resonated with, with blended by the light and, and shit. He only went to Manchester, right? I'm just a, uh, A bit away from London, in my mind. I mean, I'm I'm sure the English would disagree, but
0: certainly a bigger place than Luton. Although Manchester is a pretty rough, like working class area as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not. That's what I heard. It's not what we see in the town that this movie is based in.
1: Yeah, it's just I don't know. I'm I'm deeply fascinated by this movie.
0: Yeah, I will say like that. I watched it. I felt super happy watching it. It moved me to an almost embarrassing extent. Like <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm I'm literally tearing up at a couple points in the movie and yeah. I just it gives me that vicarious thrill that remembered thrill of how great it felt to find what something that speaks to you. And Well, and
1: the, I mean goddamn me for saying this. I again, like my younger self would die if if he heard me saying this, but sometimes art doesn't have to be hard sometimes you just sit back and enjoy it and let it wash over you. You don't have to think so much.
0: Yeah. No, I, I mean, that, that is like, (laughs) I think, I think we, we probably both went through our tortured artist phase where (laughs) we, 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 Oh, okay. Where we, I just remember having to pretend that I didn't like writing poetry when I was writing poetry in high school. And I was like, I'm just, I'm writing this because I feel so bad kind of stuff. But but I, I always felt like, great after I did it I think a lot of people maybe too many people stay in that mindset that in order to have meaning to what you're saying it has to be it, there has to be pain at the center of it or there has to be yeah there has to be the idea that darkness and pain are mature but right. hap- but happiness and enjoyment is childish right it's something I think a lot of a lot of people go through in their teens and don't grow out of or spend a long time in. And this movie yep. this movie doesn't really embrace any of that darkness. Clearly, Javed is is a hormonal teen in he's having his first girlfriend. His parents are mm-hmm. suffocating him. so he he feels terrible. Like he talks about how terrible he he feels in Luton. But the movie itself is so joyous in how it presents yeah. his, his how it presents his development and eventual escape from that life.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because he like at the end the dad says, Write our stories, but write your stories, but don't forget ours. I, I don't know. I, I, I like that. I, I thought that was a nice, nice touch.
0: Yeah. And there was the line Javed has at the end where he's giving that he's reading that essay, but then he just kind of starts speaking because his parents are there. Right, right, right. About about how he wants to build a bridge to his he wants to build a bridge to his ambition but not a wall between him and his family that that line kind of like resonated with me as well just because it's it can feel at times like your active expression is it 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 can feel at times like your active expression might be an attack on somebody else when you don't mean it that way but it it, i don't know how to explain it actually I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of get my get my viewpoint on it across but I hope Yeah
1: no I know what you mean. Okay. i I yeah I've 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 felt that feeling.
0: So that's that's actually kind of it for my notes. I oh like this happens every episode where the first <laughs> the first movie Shit. we talk about we go on and on about and then the second one we just kind of blaze through. And part of it I think is just um it's just cause I I, I I don't know. I, I just like this movie a lot. I can't pick it apart too much, and even though I, I had a, a few minor complaints with it. I think it's I think it's it's pretty much a movie anybody could enjoy. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I enjoyed it. What do you have any Do you have anything you, you want to say? Anything else in your notes?
1: Well, I re- I'm born in the wrong time, in the wrong place, in the wrong family. I really, really felt that. But yeah, I mean, we certainly touched on that with the Anchorage stuff. Oh, I wanted to ask you if you've ever seen Dairy Girls.
0: Uh, no, i have I've heard of it. I've heard seen, a lot about it, but um, I haven't seen it.
1: Uh, Never Have I Ever? No. Uh, so, so Never Have I Ever, um, it's, oh, did I, I want to say it's on Netflix, but anyway, Mindy Kaling produced it. It's like, it's her thing. So it's about this um, South Asian family, specifically about this girl um, and all of her you know trials and tribulations and stuff in high school and with her friends. And it's it's really good. I mean, I wouldn't, th- I didn't think that I'd like uh, a TV show about a teenage English girl but it's really really good and uh i was asking about dairy girls because it's also kind of set in the same time as as this right like the early 90s and it's it's just a really screwed up uh show like the humor is just really wrong and uh yeah. I, I i think you'd like it
0: well i will um i will add it to my ever-growing list yeah Uh, it there's so much stuff out there i love how much access we have to everything but i also miss like learning about things from a zine or going into Mm -hmm. a music store and there's somebody there talking about something or you just i know dude. it's so hard now to find anything i mean there's so much good stuff out there for yourself there yeah there's so much great stuff out there but it can be really I mean, we talk, There's talk about gatekeepers, and I I like the fact. Oh that, yeah. I like the fact that we're kind of doing away with gatekeepers. Art and culture is more democratic than ever, but there's something to be said for curation. There, there's something to be said for having a oh, okay. somebody, somebody that you trust that that can say like, "Oh, this is great." Um, I mean, I, I depend on my friends telling me about stuff, and I, I read read stuff, but I just I kind of miss a little bit just the the lack of options (laughs) yeah or yeah I
1: know what you mean well so like for a for a musical example I um I was chatting with a friend of mine about Bauhaus yesterday and I was just thinking to myself I was like shit like all of the Bauhaus records that I got were like special imports at at Mammoth Music and that was like 25 dollars Back in nineteen ninety, that's like a shitload of money. I, I I felt special like getting it. I'm like, oh my god, like nobody else would have that in in town. You know what I mean? Yeah, I uh... maybe it's just because they grew up in a small city, small small place where you know it's difficult to get cool shit. I like that. I I think it's if I may be bold, it's a little bit sad because people people now don't have to try so hard.
0: No, I I, com- I understand completely because I um, I still have a physical media collection. I I can't read books on a, a tablet or anything. I still have all my books. Mo- oh, yeah. I've mainly been going to the library before the pandemic. I, I was going to the library more than I was buying stuff. Um, I still brought most of my CD and movie collection with me when we moved down here. Part of that is the digital stuff, you're only buying a license to it, basically. It can go away anytime. Oh. So until yeah. until that comes becomes a little bit more standardized, I'm I'm sticking with physical media. But also uh, about ten years ago, when I was still living in Anchorage, I found and bought at a used record store. It wasn't even it, yeah it was a used record store downtown. I bought. Jesus, a...
1: there was a used record store downtown in
0: Anchorage. No, I I, I was going to change that. Um, it was at a it was just a used bin at a at like fye or whatever that place downtown in the mall oh yeah yeah so i found it used there this oingo boingo cd good for your soul and at the time it was out of print on cd it was the only oingo boingo album i didn't have and i felt so great to be buying that that day just to have lucked across it and i was like i get to finally listen to and own this album even at the time i was like people today aren't or not people today, but people like growing up, getting into music these days are not going to have the experience of what I just had, because this album is readily available on Napster or iTunes or whatever else you want to use. You can just get it anywhere. And while that's great, I love the access people have. There is something I miss about what you were saying earlier, like just finding something that is unique and you have it. I know what you're talking about because I used to I used to go into Mammoth and buy the imports, and yeah, like I was—I would buy—I'd buy these like thirty-dollar bootlegs. Aaron,
1: the, yes. the um they aren't bootlegs; they're live and rare. Okay, remember yeah. that? Yeah, that's right. I got yeah, that I straight, straight from the about- horse's mouth. Mammoth does not sell bootlegs. Okay, that's what they um, told me.
0: <laughs> and I mean, I miss a shop that you can go to, and yeah everything is is online now i found some good places we have amoeba here but of course with corn oh yeah but
1: wait wait i i heard that 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 the la one was going to close down
0: yeah they the the building that they were at got sold and they're they're turning it into apartments (sighs) Um, but of course they are amoeba had found a new location not far away not too far away from where they were just a couple streets over i think but it it coincided with the beginning of the pandemic and oh. so their future i think their future is kind of uncertain now just because thanks COVID. yeah just because they're they they have not been able to open i don't think they've even been able to to really prepare the space or the store yet i haven't oh, i haven't been following it but yeah amoeba is like it's a huge place it was so much fun to go in and like yeah i would when i was i was driving for uber and i used to do this thing where every couple of weeks i'd just go in and they'd have like a clearance section and their clearance section is as big oh, as yeah, a, Sam, a Sam Goody in a mall. I would just go in like, not every Saturday, but every couple of weeks, I just go in for half an hour, take a break and treat myself to four CDs. And I'd leave with four, four CDs for five bucks and-
1: Well, and they, uh, I was gonna say they, they, they have one in um, San Francisco and it was you know not like near my apartment or anything, but I would always go there. So it, have you been to San Francisco? you know you know the hate?
0: Hate I Ashbury. Not, I have not. I, I drove through San Francisco oh. um, a couple of times on my way to and from Washington.
1: Anyway, it's at the top of the of the hate, right? So like you go into the Golden Gate Park, like Hate Ashbury area. I I I would go there, you know, a couple of times a week and just you know take a nice stroll through the park, get my CDs. Uh, and it was just well, it's like you were saying, um, very tactile and you can go like it, like when could you take $5 <laughs> and get four CDs uh, uh uh never like you just can't do that anymore no and, and when people don't do it because like you said they get it all streaming or whatever and it's <sighs> well okay well so going back to the curating thing it's the the packaging i guess you could say or like the outer cover of you know books or 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 uh music or whatever, whatever, it's becoming more intricate and more more important, I think. It's like the, the, these things are being treated more like art objects, do you know what I mean?
0: I agree, yeah, completely.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of, I, I, I like that people have taken that creative path with it because it, it is important. So like, I, I'm looking at my record player right now and I have a Steve Martin record huh. from like 1978, right? And it's just fucking awesome, and it smells nice. You know, you take, you take out the record and look at it.
0: A couple of years ago, my wife got me a, a turntable, and it's my first working turntable in forever. Um, but I, awesome. I, I still yeah. would carry my record collection with me whenever I'd move, and it dwindled down. I think yep. by the time we moved down to California, I, we, I brought 25 albums. Uh, just because okay. I, was, I'm, I'm, I knew I was going to get a turntable, but I was just like, I don't have one. I haven't had one for years. Maybe I don't need like, to take this humongous box. But she <laughs> got, got me a turntable. And like, I'm not an, audio, like, an audiophile like a lot of people that are into vinyl are. I, people talk about the warmth of vinyl. And that stuff isn't really what does it for me. But I like yeah. getting up in the morning, putting an album on, dropping the needle, and listening to vinyl while I make breakfast. And there's something, there's something about that ritual. That
1: that sounds so great.
0: Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? There's something about that ritual that just feels so good that even though like CD or even streaming is more convenient, it's just like it, I don't even have good speakers on the turntable. It's just like, it's just the act of putting an album on.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Mine mine are totally shitty. It's like a unidirectional what do you call it microphone like we we got it at target or something it's like a little suitcase
0: yeah yeah that that's kind of that's kind of what i've got anyway back to blinded by the light i i I kind of think we've gone on hey we are still
1: talking about music it's working its way in there
0: oh yeah yeah we've gone off on tangents (laughs) and that's that is came back around that is completely what i want for the show (laughs) uh but i i kind of feel like maybe we've not exhausted things to say about it but i think maybe we've covered it we've we've yeah gone through it. I feel like we gave a lot more attention to Patterson, but I just think that that, I think there's a little bit more to dig into on Patterson. Blinded by the yeah. Light is a little bit more surface. Not that that's a bad thing. Do you have any final closing thoughts on the film?
1: No. Um, I I was I, I was surprised at how much I liked it because I knew that it was going to be like, like a more polished Hollywood type of thing. And generally, that's not the way I roll, but i was re- I really like this movie. This is good.
0: Yeah, and you say that we both have called it like kind of a Hollywood feel, but this is a British film. <laughs> this isn't a Hollywood <laughs> right? film right? It's very low budget, but it is kind it's not of funny. It is kind of a a crowd pleaser in the way that they aren't quite made anymore. and there is kind a lot of, a of
1: dead poet society kind of feel.
0: There's a cultural specificity to it, added into these this very universal emotion and moment in this character's life that I think. I think everybody knows what that feels like while not being aware previously of kind of the the specifics of of what his life was like. And I think it it makes for a pretty powerful film. Agreed. All right. So we're going to take a very short break. When we come back, we're each going to have our top fives of the week. (laughs) Right. And we're back. And our final feature of the day, we're going to talk about our top fives. And this week we're talking about top five movies about writers or writing. And what I like to say is, especially going into my list, my list is going to seem very obvious. <laughs> I feel like I, I picked some very like obvious, or at least obvious if you know my tastes. I don't think there's anything very surprising on my list, but these aren't necessarily the ones I think are the best. These are the ones that I think I want to say something about or I want people to check out. These are these are just the top five that came to mind basically for me. I'm gonna start mine off with maybe the most obvious for my tastes and I'm going to mention The Shining. Stanley oh, Kubrick's- Oh yeah. Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of the Stephen King book. Uh, I guess I could try to be contrarian and talk about the TV miniseries version, but uh, <laughs> anybody that listens to the show knows I, I haven't seen that yet. Uh, so The Shining. Um, like I said, it's, it's about a writer as most Stephen King things are, but it is, I don't know if it's my favorite horror movie, but it was a, a traumatic viewing experience as a child when I saw it <laughs> way too young. And it's something I return to almost every year. I, I do, I do get more out of that movie every time I see it.
1: Oh man. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, I, 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 I I'm gonna okay. I have Misery on my list, top five movies about writers or writing.
0: Do you want to just get right into it? That's your pick next. Is Misery?
1: Misery. <laughs> I I read it when it came out. I'm obsessed with Stephen King, the books, the movies. The movie was phenomenal. Uh, it's kind of never never left me. So again, another one of those you know more polished movies that just still grab me. I, I'm not immune to Hollywood's charms.
0: No, no, I'm not either. I mean, we. We all grew up on the blockbusters. We all grew up on oh, yeah, Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Back to the Future. You can have tastes that are, <laughs> that are more esoteric and artistic, yeah. but they, like, it doesn't mean you have to give up the things that you thought were cool. Hell um, no. Yeah, Stephen King is, uh, he, he may not be my favorite author, but he is the author that I feel the most personally connected to. And mm. that seems like a stalkery thing to say. I just mean that <laughs> I read it, when I was in sixth grade, oh god, I'm sorry. I, no, I loved it. I mean, my mom. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Man. My mom saw me reading it, and she was she was like, "Oh, I have friends who read that and said they couldn't sleep with the lights off for weeks." Yeah. And I, as a kid, I was way too scared for mo- horror movies. I didn't get into horror movies until my teens. But books, I I, I could read horror books all the time. There was just something more in control of turning that page, you know, that yeah, I could always, yeah. oh, I could always put point. it down. And things could chill you, but they wouldn't startle you the way a movie. And so what I I was scared of wasn't. Uh,
1: Interesting. Yeah. What I
0: was scared of was more, I was scared of being startled in a movie, I guess. (laughs) I read it. And throughout high school, I just burned through his entire bibliography. Sure. I would go to to, um, garage sales on weekends and just buy books there. And almost everybody had a few Stephen King books they're selling. That's awesome. So he's, he's an author that I've, he's never left me. I still buy the new Stephen King books. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. And I think he's had a pretty good Renaissance for the past, like 10, 15 years. He's an author that even if I don't like the book, I always enjoy the act of reading it. I never have that period where I have to try and find the, like get into the author's voice when I'm reading a new book. Oh, sure. With Stephen King, I just, write from the front page, I kind of yep. feel... Like I'm just right into it, I know where it's coming from you know i i, I think I'll, maybe he's not like cool or hip he's no, he is, I always, what he is. He's, yeah
1: he's well, a, I think he's eternal man
0: he is and and now he's he's kind of the elder statesman, so he's got that cred, but I just <laughs> think that um yeah i I mean, I think he's just a very consistent writer, like I said, even if I don't enjoy the book, I enjoy the act of reading it, yeah, I agree, so the shining out of the way, I'm gonna go and. You're gonna you're gonna notice a theme here, so keep an eye out for it. But this is my next pick: is in a lonely place, uh, directed mm. by Nicholas Ray. Uh, Humphrey Bogart is a alcoholic, struggling screenwriter. He he hasn't really had a hit in a few years. He's adapted or he's hired to adapt a book, but he he can't be bothered to read it, and so he invites this girl over to his house to basically have she's read the book so she's coming over to his house to tell him the story to break it down so he can tell like how he should write the book the movie Hmm. uh she ends up dead later on and he's the main suspect (laughs) but during this it's a very like the title is very accurate in a lonely place it's a very heartbroken lonely film noir
2: Hmm. because
0: through the movie he's developing this relationship with this neighbor this lady who saw the other woman leaving his apartment and they're falling in love. But the question keeps coming up. Like, did he actually kill this girl? Because he has a horrible temper and he's an alcoholic. It ends on a very, very bleak note. So it's not necessarily so much about writing, but uh, it it is about, you know, this character is a writer and he's, he's been blocked for years and uh, failing for a little while, just due to his alcoholism and his temper it's a yeah it's a very interesting movie it's very good
1: wow i'll, I'll check that out in the lonely place nice nicholas right. ray the, the name sounds familiar what else did he do
0: he did rebel without a cause there's there's a really really fun like feminist western called johnny guitar <laughs> okay uh, i've heard of that yeah that's really
1: uh it, I, I, yeah the theme song is, is really yeah. well known
0: it is. And it's a movie with Joan Crawford and Sterling Hayden. And <laughs> Joan Crawford absolutely makes Sterling Hayden in that movie, the, <clears throat> the submissive character. Like he's. He, oh, she, I can imagine. Yeah. She's, uh, she's the star of that show. It's, it's a really fun movie. So my next pick
1: probably saw this one coming a mile away, uh, Naked Lunch. And for those of you guys that don't, don't know, then, uh Oh, fuck it. The, the Naked Lunch movie, uh, ba- basically, they said it was unfilmable. I don't know when they started to try to film it, but uh, David Cronenberg got a hold of it. And uh, if you guys haven't seen this movie, it is a total mindfuck. Uh, have you seen it, Aaron?
0: I'm going to lose some, a lot of cred here. <gasps> Dude. Say that I rented it when it came out. Me and my friend rented it. I think I got about halfway through it when we turned it off. Just like the book, and I,
1: I know, halfway through it.
0: <laughs> well, um, what year did Naked Lunch come out? The movie uh, ninety one. Okay, so I was thirteen, and I was seventeen. I just I didn't know what to make of it at all, <laughs> and I don't know why I've never revisited it because Cronenberg. Oh, Cronenberg is one of my favorite directors. It's
1: fantastic. I keep but the black keep, meat. Oh my! It, it's a they have a typewriter that turns into this blob of black meat. It's just
0: what I love. I love his his body horror. I love I love Cronenberg. It's directly right up my alley, and there's no reason that I haven't revisited it. Like I I'm not against it. It's Paul just like, Weller, come on. Yeah, yeah. I just I haven't gone. Oh, Peter day. Weller.
1: Sorry, Paul. Paul Weller's the guy from uh, the Jam. Yeah. I, Peter I, knew,
0: I knew I knew that you were wrong, but I was like, wait, Weller, who is that? Okay. So go ahead. Can, continue on if you have anything to say about it. But I I'm sorry. I hope this no, doesn't I, me listeners, it, I haven't watched the movie.
1: No, I really liked it because uh well, because it was they filmed it and it was unfilmable filmable. So basically what Cronenberg um, did was kind of make a movie about William Burroughs writing the book I don't want to like be pedantic or anything but if you guys don't know if your listeners don't know Naked Lunch ah fuck it they'll know like Naked Lunch but it's um like the book's really episodic and you can't get a beat on what's going on and frankly the shit just doesn't make any sense any logical sense so what uh David Cronenberg did was film it like he made a movie about William Burroughs writing the book and it, there's all of this interplay between drugs and you know uh, insects and sexuality and paranoia, uh, just all over this movie. And it's really fascinating how he did it because he like he basically made a biography of of Burroughs, but it's also the the, the naked lunch story. It's, it's it's really interesting. And and if if you know um, the history of Burroughs. He started to write, you know, drug stories in the in the forties, right? Autobiographical stories about his life as a, a drug addict and a you know budding writer. And but then somewhere around the 50s, around Naked Lunch, it got even weirder and just went off on some I, I don't even know what. I like I I'm I'm not sure. I'm trying to unravel William Burroughs' trip, but who went from, you know, autobiographical writing into this, like, fa- like fantasy, like horror, sci-fi, fantasy, alternative universe. And just the fact that a movie director tried to tried to make this movie, it's, it's endlessly fascinating to me. And I, just, I like the look of it. Like, I like looking at it. Anyway, I'm rambling now, but that was forever in my top five movies about writers.
0: All right. Yeah. I didn't need any convincing cuz i knew it i knew it was something i had to get to <laughs> but you have really really put that on the front the front burner hey, i have to well, I have to find it oh i know it's available there's a criterion i think but it's yes who's who's spending money these days right i'd buy that yeah i would totally shell out money for that yeah i'm i'm going to have to check it out i mean not it's one i'm just going to have to buy i know i will cuz i know it's going to be yeah. completely perfect for me now but at at the age of 13 <laughs> it was just a little bit too yeah it's a little you bit up. too much for me. I have a couple of movies like this where watching it with friends and we ended up turning it off. It's mainly because my friends were just kind of not into it. Like my best friend and I rented a racer head in high school. He stopped it after like half an, half an hour. And I had to go rent it on my own because I was staying over at his house. And uh, there's been a couple of things like that. So it, I don't know why I just never went back to naked Naked lunch.
1: Yeah, well, I, I haven't seen a so...
0: So you, oh, you got well, me there, uh, man. Now I just want to have you back to talk about eraser head, <laughs> dude. Let's totally come back and talk about eraser head. I would love that. Okay, well, maybe we should just talk about eraser head and naked lunch. I mean, I don't <sighs> think you're, dude. Let's do it. Okay, that's great. All right, we'll pencil that John. in. Yes. Okay, my next my next one. See if you can spot the theme here. Is Sunset Boulevard?
1: Oh, okay. See, I had that on my list, but then I removed it and put something else. That's a great yeah. one.
0: It is a great one. I'm not going to say too much about it. It's a classic everybody knows but what really draws me into that movie is Billy Wilder's sense of space. I, I watch that movie mm-hmm. and I, I can feel, I mean, I can kind of feel what it would be like to be in those rooms and that's not, that's not always the case with a lot of movies. There are certain ones where just, it gives me kind of almost a tactile impression of what that place would be like and how it would be how it would feel to be there and he's got there's something about the way he captures it like i'm thinking especially of the scenes where he's on the studio lot late at night in his little office uh writing yeah i can feel what that would be like Uh, i mean it it kind of feels like when i'm watching it i am in that room that's cool so that that is on my list
1: next for me i put my left foot
0: oh okay yeah, that was that was, that, that was one I considered as well.
1: Yeah, that 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 blew me away. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, it's that, that's all you got to say. I picked it out for my kids to read for um, ninth grade English a couple of years ago. And we were, you know, reading bits and pieces of the of his, you know, autobiography and then we watched the movie and it was just like bringing tears to my eyes. It's it's so good. I just, I, I I really I don't know. I I I'm always partial to I guess period pieces you could call it even though it was the, just the 50s like you I'm an anglophile or, or uh what, what would you call someone who's obsessed with Ireland but there is a term
0: <laughs> for it it is hibernophile hibernophile I'm a hibernophile a person who is fond of Irish culture language and Ireland in general
1: yeah if you guys haven't seen it go watch it if we're talking about Daniel Day-Lewis go back and look at his teeth in uh, uh, the crucible they're like Orange. Oh no. it's, it's hideous. And oh, I, I have a feeling that he himself probably didn't brush his teeth for two weeks to get into character. I thought that it was um you know really, really poignant the way that they uh I don't know, like he I don't know how to explain it. He he was a real bastard. <laughs> he was just a real grouch and not like warm and touchy feely. And I, I, I liked that they had the whole man. And, yeah uh, that,
0: that's it, something it was, that, that that's something that often gets lost when you're adapting a biographical or autobiographical work is people tend to kind of smooth out what makes the person interesting yeah, and human turn him into a saint or something so uh my next film in this mini theme here is uh another well-known well well-known for cinephiles uh, barton fink
1: oh i've never seen that
0: that's uh, that's one of the
1: few i've not seen
0: that's another really good one that could honestly pair with a head. But anyway, it really? it well, kind of. It just has every once in a while the Cohen brothers verge into kind of a creepy absurdism that, <laughs> okay. that can feel a little bit lynchian. I'm a big David. You mean racist. like
1: uh Hudsucker Proxy?
0: Actually, like Hudsucker so- Proxy feels lynchian in a different way just because of how much lynch is obsessed with the 40s and 50s american styles yeah and that kind of stilted dialogue i just mean i
1: say what gives
0: yeah i'm a big (laughs) i'm a big david lynch fan he's maybe my favorite director oh hell yeah but i i hate how much people will just call something weird in a movie lynchian (laughs) because i feel like his Uh, okay yeah I, i feel like his weirdness is very specific to him. There's a lot of movies that are weird, mm. but there's not a lot of movies that are weird the way that his are.
1: Oh, no, absolutely.
0: Maybe that's just because I'm such a fan that I can I can kind of pick it out more than just a casual observer would. I would say that to calling Barton Fink Lynchian at times is not at all a stretch. But hmm. I, I will you, have you know, to watch it. Yeah, because it's it's um John Turturo He's a playwright who has some pretty big success and he's very well respected and he goes to Hollywood and they start putting him on like like just B pictures and he 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 feels it's beneath him and he's trying to write the next great american work and uh they they like put him on a wrestling picture okay and he's kind of just like floundering in Hollywood and there's there's some weirdness john goodman is a um a neighbor in this like a uh, hotel apartment building mm-hmm. and he's he's a pretty creepy guy. Um, <laughs> oh God. It's well, he's not creepy. I, in, can't, I
1: can't imagine that.
0: Well, he's, he's very, I mean, he's John Goodman. He's very kind of avuncular and outgoing, <laughs> but there's, yeah. there's kind of a darkness that is hidden just below the surface. I, I'm trying not to like go into too much detail since you haven't seen the movie, but um, okay, it, it's kind of a movie about, about writer's block and about kind of what we we touched on a little bit with our discussion of Blinded by the Light of kind of thinking that popular entertainment is somehow beneath you or somehow lesser than mm. the the quote unquote real art you would like to do
1: right uh, my final one is dead poet society that that was just one of those things that uh stuck with me um I mean, I saw it when it came out. It was like eighty eight right. Yes, so i, I was think you know, very much yeah like it was very much like in that mode at the time so like i was uh reading walt whitman and reading uh shelley and keats and all this shit but it was it was stuff that i had you know sought out on my own because i was really digging it from, from my english classes so like i was absolutely in that in that mode i i, I always like robin williams doing um serious stuff because he just has that Robin Williams thing it's kind of like a character that he plays in all of his serious movies but I like the character yeah and it's just warm and reassuring and I don't know there was a lot of stuff with um like where, where the kid is you know struggling with his dad and stuff like that and like they 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 want to be inspired by life and literature and it's just yeah, it just got me in the feels. I, I I love it.
0: Yeah i I haven't seen that movie in years. My my main remembrance of it is just kind of a you're right a warm kind of autumnal feeling to it. Um, yeah, and like Robin Williams, everybody talks about how great he is as a dramatic actor, but for really good reasons. Sometimes he would take that a little bit too far in. Yeah, with like like Patch Adams or some of his Schmaltzier films.
1: <laughs> Buck that shit.
0: But he could he could Yuck. really he could really portray a great warmth in his films. And also I think I think I wish I'd seen him in more villainous roles because when he would play a villain, I thought he was
1: Oh he was great God, like one hour in, photo
0: insomnia. Ah, I, I actually yeah, I'm not a huge fan of a one hour photo, but oh. I think he's great in it. That's another one maybe I should see again.
1: Go back and watch the Fisher King and tell me that the man can't act his ass off. Oh, he's I mean,
0: so good in that. <laughs> the, the,
1: the, like that movie gave me
0: nightmares.
1: Like, I, I know it's not about writing, but whatever. Fuck it. It's the Fisher King. We got to talk about it. It was amazing. And again, with Dead Poets Society, uh, he just, he has that thing, you know? I, don't, I, I <laughs> What the French call, it, I don't know what. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, It's uh, it, I, I love it.
0: So, my last pick I saved it for last only because I thought you were gonna pick it. I thought there was a pretty good chance oh. you would pick it. Do you have any guesses? No, okay. uh, it's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas.
1: Oh shit. Oh man. How did I forget that? Oh man okay <laughs> I, i'm I'm adding that one too. I'm adding okay. that one
0: too. It's maybe cliche to say it, but this movie introduced me to Hunter s. Thompson, and
1: oh yeah. Well, and it's funny, dude, because I like what, what I, I didn't think of, I didn't really think about it in terms of mov- a movie about writing <laughs> because they're just so completely fucked up, yeah. And, and like writing is like a side note.
0: <laughs> it, it is, but there's something like it. I'm, what I was gonna say is it's kind of cliche to say it because I but I did I was introduced to Hunter Thompson through Fear and Loathing, and I read I went and read the book. I read the fear and loathing on the campaign trail, uh, mm-hmm. like Curse of the Curse of Lano. I, I just read like articles and stuff, other stuff he wrote and his voice is so kind of unique and powerful that you just like, you, you can find yourself slipping into the, his mannerisms, how he would talk, <laughs> how he would write. Mm-hmm. And I found myself doing that for a while after this, this period of <laughs> my life where that's awesome where I would just, like, I would kind of see everything in my life as if, like, oh, like, like Hunter S. Thompson is narrating it. And, yeah. and I am, uh, I don't know how much of a shock this is going to be to anybody, but I am completely sober. I've never done any drugs at all. I, I've i never been drunk. I have, a, like, an alcoholic beverage once every blue moon. I'm not against it at all, clearly, by the fact that I was just really into Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I I just his lifestyle is so not me but that voice was so it was so captivating and just his the way he would look at the thing and how it would just be pages and pages of like this is crazy and then he would have like one or two sentences that perfectly captured the essence of whatever he had just been trying to talk about yeah I, i i just i really got into for a couple of years
1: well, and that, that's, I mean, I, I think the fact that the fact that you don't drink or do drugs or any, anything like that, and, and you, ne- that you never have, I, it speaks volumes that, that he was able to connect with you like that. And I, think, I, I think that's awesome.
0: I, I kind of thought this would be on your list just because um, I know our, our mutual friend, Eric, and I were both like, kind of in the yeah. same boat at the same time. And you guys are really good, good friends. I just thought, I thought that would be something that might be on your list. I'm, you had really great choices. So I'm not, I, I'm not saying it should have been on your list. Like,
1: <laughs> no, no, it's totally yeah. Well, and like when you were talking about how um, you'd slip into the mannerism stuff and, and stuff like Eric and I would do that all the time, like consciously and unconsciously, unconscious, <laughs> unconsciously, subconsciously, yeah, <laughs> whatever that word is. I'm drunk right now, and um, <laughs> no, but it's uh, it's uh, it's funny because I I came to it from the opposite way, I, you know, very much a psychonaut uh, if you will. And, uh, I, like that, that's how I got into Honduras Thompson. Okay. So like I was saying, it's really interesting to me that we're, we're both, you know, fanboys, like to the, to the nth degree, but you know, coming at it from different places. I, and I, I think that, I don't know, I, 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 I don't know how you feel about what I'm going to say, but I, I, I feel like the, the, the Gonzo thing is misunderstood by a lot of people. Yeah, to, to me, it was kind of uh, encapsulated in the end of of Fear and Loathing book, where he talks about the ocean rolling all the way out and then rolling back in. Yeah, <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about.
0: I do. And yeah. It's
1: it's it's just proves to me proves to me that that he um I mean he's a poet. He's a freaking genius, and all of the the craziness was just I don't know. It, it, it was something that he had to do to get to the writing you know but he i don't know maybe he could have done it without all the craziness but i i don't think that was him you know like i think i think he needed to go through all of that to to find his voice but um i don't know i I, sometimes i feel like people make too much of the craziness because he fucking wrote his ass off his entire life he never stopped i don't know I, i i kind of feel the same way about william burroughs like people People tend to get, get wrapped up in the mystique and they forget that he was a fucking insanely prolific writer, both of those guys. And, and, you know, should should be very well respected because they, you know, they change people's minds about how you see, how you can see the world. Yeah. I got nothing but respect for those guys.
0: Yeah, I know. I agree because you, you, you do get past the, you know, the, the rampant drug use, the, kind of crazy you could call it abusive behavior that he would engage in yeah. in public you get past that and the stuff that he's writing you're right is is
1: it's life and death shit it's it's you know is like what's going to happen with mcgovern what's going to happen with nixon what's going to happen with this and that and like he, he got down to brass tacks when he needed to
0: well that yeah he had he had great insight and you're right i don't he's a
1: journalist for god's
0: sake i don't know if it's how much the the drugs were necessary for his process but when you got past all of that his insights were like crystal clear yeah and the way he said them was so incredibly you're right poetic i i know i can't remember the exact language but that past, that part that you just talked about the end of fear and loathing where he's talking about how you could look back at the 60s and just see where the wave crested and then rolled back yep. out to sea. that yep. is a line that i think about all the time um yep. And just like the kind of through the, even if through the haze of drugs, the clarity with which he was able to see and say what he saw was, uh, was very impressive. It still is. Yeah. So I think that brings us, that's, that's our list. That brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, this has been a really, really fun conversation. Uh, Absolutely, I'm, man. I'm glad you decided to do this. This was, <laughs> th- this is, uh, this so is a nervous. fun. And you are, it goes without saying, welcome back whenever you want. Before we sign Thank off, you. was there anything that you want to say? Anything you want to plug, like send people sure. to or towards anything?
1: Yeah. So if you're, if you're at all interested in anything that I said, uh, you don't think I'm a total moron, please visit my website, uh, joshmesker.com J O S H M E D S K E R.com. And you can cut out that thing about being, being a moron, Aaron, if you want. um, no, it's I have, <laughs> I have a book that I wrote that um, I'd like you guys to check out. If you're into H.P. Lovecraft, you might enjoy it. Uh, it's poetry, and it's dark. It's uh, uh, pe- people seem to enjoy it. I have a podcast that I do called Jersey Poets Plus. It's also you can find it at, the, at my website, links to SoundCloud or Spotify or wherever you want to to listen to. Um, we interview New Jersey poets and New York, uh, state poets and Connecticut poets every month or so. And it's a good old time we get into process and, um, we get into, you know, the, the nitty gritty of, of how regular non-famous writers get their, get their stuff done. Hope you guys enjoy it.
0: That all sounds great. Everybody should take a look at it. Did you say the name of your, your book?
1: Yeah, the book's called Cacophony. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a poetic exploration of, uh, HP Lovecraft, And I based it on my favorite, um, uh, the, the, al- the, my favorite album by this band, rudimentary Peni. Oh, um, it's the, also called cacophony. And, uh, that's f- total mind fuck of an album. It's, uh, absolutely batshit crazy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think you, think you might like it it's uh i don't know how to describe it but just listen to it yeah they 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 based their album on you know the life and works of lovecraft and i've been obsessed with this album since like the early 90s and i finally published my first book and it's um that's what that's what this is all about
0: that is amazing i'm it's crazy it, shit it, that's so great i i Uh, yeah everybody check this out I'm I don't know that album I'm going to go and listen to it tonight I believe I'll find it somewhere it's It's (laughs) Um, really good all right great thank you thank you so much for being here Um, dude
1: my pleasure thank you so much for having me
0: hey no anytime well thank you for listening everybody you can follow us along if you'd like at Twitter and Instagram that's at two-headed pod on both sites there's also a Facebook page if you still have Facebook So thank you for listening and we will see you again next week.